American Werewolf in Paris. <laughs> ha You are listening to the Scare Daniel podcast, where you send us your most sinister, scary movie dares, and we suffer the terrifying consequences for your sick and twisted amusement. I'm Corky McDonald, and with me, as always, is film critic and sex meter number one hundred and three, Daniel Barnes. Hi, everyone. We got a bad movie rising tonight. <laughs> wordplay as corky said on this show we do your dirty work you dirty old wolves you dirty old dogs of the night (laughs) by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine and then we review and rate them on our unique system we give a run-of-the-mill bad film a dare we give the double dare rating to the truly atrocious movies and we reserve the reverse dare for a despised movie that is actually pretty good Today on the podcast, we are, for some reason, reviewing An American Werewolf in Paris, 1997 movie starring Tom Everett Scott, directed by Anthony Waller, and directed as in uh, sarcastic quotes. (laughs) But before we get started into this third movie in our 2019 Scare Daniel season, Daniel is going to tell us about the beer we'll be drinking during the show. Once again, I gotcha, a beer by our friends at Revision Brewing Company in Sparks, Nevada. Not a hazy beer this time, no lactose, nothing, uh, no funny business. This is just a straight up West Coast double IPA, 8% alcohol by volume, uh, 75 IBUs, just a great classic uh, West Coast IPA for you, Corey. (laughs) It puts hair on your chest and on your knuckles and head and and butt. So now, Corky, let's read a couple of our listener dares. Our listeners have been sending these dares to us. At our website, daredaniel.com, they have been coming in through the social media. People yeah. cannot get enough. We, they can't get enough. No. Honestly, they're insatiable. And you know who might be the most insatiable? We have our first dare. It's Jaina Sinclair. She has sent us so many. I don't know who this is. Jaina. Jaina. You're my, a girl. My Facebook friend, maybe, <laughs> that is my close personal friend. If I know you, and if I don't know you, it's great to meet you. Thank you so much for the many dares, Jaina Sinclair. It was hard to pick just one, but... What's funny is that she dared us one particular movie, and then right, like I swear, that same day or Very the next, next day, yeah. we got that exact same dare from a completely different person in a completely different continent. We presume, Jaina, we presume <laughs> we you don't, don't live that well. on the we're same a, continent, continent you unless from? you're my pal, which then I totally know where you live. So we don't know what continent you're from. Let's not be too presumptuous. All right. But both Jaina Sinclair and our buddy Gav, old Gav from Films on Trial, dared us to watch a film called The Fanatic. The Fanatic. Do you know The Fanatic? A lot of bad buzz going around. A little bit right of bad this. buzz yeah. going around about The Fanatic. It's a 2019 film. You got some heavy hitters here. It stars John Travolta. He is the star of Gotti, who, which we reviewed in episode something or other. Go back, check it out. Uh, it also stars Devin Sawa, star of... Nothing I for the hands. last 20 years. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the fuck he's ever. And it's directed by Fred Durst. Fred Durst. What? Of Limp Biscuit. Oh my goodness. Yes, he directed this film. IMDb synopsis says a rabid film fan stalks his favorite action hero and destroys the star's life. Now, why did Jaina ask us to watch this? She says, I don't even know if this movie's out yet, but it looks absolutely atrocious. <laughs> Maybe it's a bit cruel asking you guys to pay to watch it, but you can't make an omelet without a pan, a spatula, a heat source, and breaking a few eggs. Fact- factually correct good dare. Good stuff. That's yeah. just good stuff. Like, how do you make an omelet? Do it. It's part or dare, watch the part end of Big recipe. <laughs> why did Gav dare us to watch the film? He says, hi, guys. Hey, Gav. <clears throat> Gav. Gav. Hey. Gav. Just breathe if you hear us. <laughs> Tap once. Tell us if there's something wrong. Tap twice for no. He says, hi guys, following your brilliant dissection of Gotti, I thought you might like to review the next installment in John Travolta's cinematic decline, The Fanatic. I must admit that I haven't watched this film, but I've seen the trailer, which at a minute and a half is still too much to sit through. It features (laughs) John Travolta twitching, 
squinting, <laughs> squinting and shuffling his way to a surefire Razzie award, all whilst wearing what I believe to be a child's wig. This is definitely one for the Dear Daniel boys. Good luck. Groan of recognition from Johnny yeah. when I said wearing a child's wig. Yeah, if you have not seen the image of John Travolta's movie, it has to be seen to believe. be, be believed. He does look like he is a just got his first haircut kind of a thing. Uh, I thought he was doing like uh, Robin Williams Jack where he's, right. he's playing a child trapped in a man's body. So yeah, that is the fanatic. We're getting a lot of buzz on the fanatic, so we might have to move that one up in the queue. Thank you very much, Jaina and Gav. Thank you, guys. Next dare comes to us from Julio Oliveira, whose dare is The Boy Next Door. This is a 2015 film starring Jennifer Lopez and Ryan Guzman, directed by Rob Cohen. Why did Julio dare us The Boy Next Door? He says, my goal is to eventually have every podcast I listen to review this movie. It will be the pain that will bring us all together. It's J-Lo having the worst one night stand of her life. What more do you need to know? Literally nothing. Really? It's sold. The IMDb synopsis of The Boy Next Door is a woman separated from her unfaithful husband falls for a younger man who has moved in next door, but their torrid affair soon takes a dangerous turn. Are you familiar with this movie? Have you seen it? My girlfriend took my daughters to go see it, nice. like on their first time they hung out without me. Because <laughs> this is the kind of movie my girlfriend loves. Bonding. <laughs> yeah, bonding. <laughs> so you haven't seen the film. You've just heard about it. It nearly broke up my relationship. Nearly, uh, right. No, I'm just kidding. I, have not, I would never watch this movie no. willingly. No, you would need to be forced into it, which Julio Oliveira is trying to do. Yeah, I like that he's trying to unite all the movie podcasts. Let's just get all together and just all commiserate. Review the boy next door starring jennifer lopez yeah jennifer lopez not not the greatest film career i no. mean she's just very talented obviously but i i just boy i mean she, she came out of the dogs. gate swinging like absolutely she's working with oliver stone oliver so you turn with get uh, get out steven soderberg <laughs> she's working anaconda thank John. you johnny <laughs> Steven Soderbergh. I mean, yeah, she was working with some uh, Bob Rafels and some some top directors, but uh, boy, did she not so much. Although her newest film is Hustlers, and that's getting some good reviews. Yeah, yeah. Another film my girlfriend wants to go see. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) So the movie we're watching today is, as said, An American Werewolf in Paris. This came to us through one of our wormhole dares. This is a wormhole. This is... just so you know, we don't make these up. No. These We really get dares from people who are characters in the movies yes. or exist in a m- world universe where the movie does exist and is real. This is an American movie watcher in Paris. And often both, right? Because they're in the movie, but they're also aware that it's a movie. But, but sometimes they're Putin, and Putin was not in the movie. He dared us. <laughs> he wasn't, but I he seemed like he really wanted to be. And I would be willing to bet that one of the Americans in American Werewolf in Paris did watch a movie while in Paris. So we can't be for sure on this one. Yeah. American moviegoer in Paris's dare goes as such. While the original and American Werewolf in London movie is a classic, this sequel is just not good. Unless you like the bungee jumping fad of the 90s jammed in because that's what those crazy Gen Xers were doing. (laughs) Anyway, there's some garbage CGI wolf transformations that don't hold a silver bullet to the original film's practical effects. And a werewolf coven? Or would that be a pack? Best of luck watching this terrible remake. The IMDb synopsis. An American man unwittingly gets involved with French werewolves who have developed a serum allowing them to transform at will. That's about it. Yeah. So, of course, American Werewolf in Paris. It is a follow-up to the beloved 1981 John Landis horror comedy. An American Werewolf in London. There are no returning cast members. Different creative team. It seems only tangentially related to the original. The credit says based on characters created by John Landis. But as far as I see, there are no characters created by John Landis. This is basically a quasi remake update reboot it, i don't know i mean it's 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 inspired by other than the basic idea there's a where there's werewolves. The werewolves there's an american in a european american country werewolf, yes unlike the original film uh, of course which won an oscar for rick baker's amazing makeup effects those amazing transformation scenes which are still fantastic to watch they are great the transformations in this film almost completely handled through cgi and mid to late 90s CGI on that, and bad mid to late 90s. <laughs> that, like, not there's the normal average bad of mid to late 90s CGI. This is at the very, very bottom of the well. Film stars Tom Everett Scott during that 
about 18 month period when Hollywood decided he was a leading man for some reason. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, the kids uh, were not alive then or were very young. They can't really remember it. They don't know what it was like to yeah. be alive at that time. It was a tenuous time for the Republic. Yes. <laughs> it felt like we were this close to the brink, to just falling apart in the anarchy. And Hollywood was there to uplift a scion <laughs> of average white maleness in Tom Everett Scott <laughs> and say, follow him. The film also features Julie Delpy and Julie Bowen. It was directed and co-written by Anthony Waller, who had previously made a pretty overrated little movie called Mute Witness. Paris was released December 25th, 1997. Merry Christmas. Here's your Christmas present, assholes. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. Postman was also released on that day. What a day for cinema. Jeez. Kevin Costner's The Postman. The sequel grossed $26.6 million at the box office against a production budget of $25 million. To put it in perspective, the original grossed $30 million, but it opened on half as many screens, and the ticket price in 1981 was about half of what it was in 1997. And it still made more money. Critics also hated the film 7 on Rotten Tomatoes, 31 on Metacritic. Roger Ebert called it quote, an orgy of special effects and general mayhem. Quirky, that quote from Andre Ebert, yeah, it sums it up. It is an orgy of special effects and general mayhem, but that makes that seem way more interesting than this movie actually is. This movie, I thought, was exhausting. Right, Exhausting. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was one of the worst movies we've ever done. How do you make a movie about werewolves, <laughs> young people trying to get laid, Europe and make it fucking boring and make it just uninteresting and hard to watch. But not for a lack of going over the top in every single scene of this movie. Like there is something going on. This is just the most abysmal over-directed garbage, the side of ultraviolet or cool as ice. Those are my reference points for this movie. It is legit. Cool as ice in the sense that it's a grab bag of styles, a grab bag of camera tricks. It's just, and the characters, yeah. much as like the characters in Cool as Eyes, thoroughly loathes them. Yeah. Loathsome, sorry. Thoroughly loathsome. Yeah, this movie reminded me of the joke of the two women leaving a restaurant and one woman says, food here is terrible. And the other one says, yeah, in such small portions. Well, the cinematography, the editing, the special effects in this movie, they are Fucking terrible. <laughs> but the portions, the portions, there is a lot of it. There is a lot of it. I think chaos is really the word to kind of get behind here because, again, I said the movie is exhausting. The camera's always doing something. Yeah. But it's doing something different Yep, in every shot and in every scene and in every sequence. There's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no planning to it. There's definitely no art to it whatsoever the about 15 minutes in i realized that they said you know what we're not doing a second take ever for any of you (laughs) and we're gonna actually stop the scene in the middle of some of these first takes as well and then the editing makes no sense either they edit in the middle of dialogue Mm. they edit they cut they show something else while someone's still talking there's so many things that are happening in this 95 minute movie i had like six pages of notes because it's just it's relentless. It never stops. And Sorry. it's never interesting at the same time. I just caught sight of producer Johnny's trilby hat and it's got like a dollar in it. Like he's busking. <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll produce your Anyways, podcast. You're going to walk by the closed door of the studio. <laughs> just, you know, toss a little something in there. There's a train that's not <laughs> <laughs> So, Corky, let's get into let's this. Let's do this. Absolutely atrocious movie. Uh, 1997, not that long ago, and yet it's still kind of jarring to me to have a movie where just there's one production company logo, yeah, start of movie, yeah, and that's it. That's like, it's weird, 12 right? Twelve seconds in because usually you're just like two minutes of this. I, I'm just gonna settle in. Yeah, <laughs> we got several like, started, dozen production companies. Go start some popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's so long. I never realized it though, but Hollywood Pictures, who's the, who released this movie, Hollywood Pictures, that's like. Studio films, you know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> film movie productions. Oh my company. God. Yes. Yeah, so opening shots, 
it's rainy Paris because there's a very fake looking backdrop of the Eiffel Tower. Yes. And then we kind of have all these tracking shots. I mean, right away, you know, this movie's bad. Yes. There's just these tracking shots of like, okay, we're going to go down this column. We're at a church. There's a column. We're going to slide past a window. We're going to do this other thing. And then it's like title. Yeah. And then here's another tracking Still going shot down, down a the... column. We're not building to a, anything. No, we're just we're not seeing anything in these windows. These are just pointless insert shots that have all been put together. But for some reason, they did a boom title in the middle of it. I think this is such an apt metaphor for this movie because it starts on this really bright illuminated shot of the Eiffel Tower. Beautiful shot. It goes <laughs> down a Gothic cathedral as a credits roll, showing you gargoyles and yeah. Grecian columns, and then goes into the sewer. Straight into <laughs> the sewer. It's like, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's. That's how fast we fucking ruined this uh, concept. Yeah. So a man jumps out of the manhole in yeah. the sewer and he runs. Important to know that sewer grates in Paris, they just pop right out. I read the same note. <laughs> they just pop I right the out. the same note. This is going to come back. <laughs> but yeah, there is like right away, there's just so much. So much camera happening. Work. Yeah. And there's so much music. Like everything I said about the camera being different in every scene goes 10,000 times for the music. Music transitions are just like here, they're there, they're here. It's whiplash. It's absolutely insane. So in this one, this guy is running. Something's chasing him through this square. He's running to get the uh, cab driver's attention. But apparently in one of the buildings that he's running past is a symphony. Yes. And the symphony is playing to the crescendo. For some reason, we go in in there and watch that for a bit. We got to watch that a little bit, which again leads to a lot of just swooping shots. It's like every take they're like, okay, let's do one where – the crane is swooping this way or the tracks this way. Now let me put it on my shoulder and I'll do the exact same thing. Yeah. Let's go in, let's go out, let's swoop around. But let's uh, never ever get a shot of whatever's chasing this guy. No. Or what happens. I wrote my fourth line of notes here is in a series of quick edits, something <laughs> happened. <laughs> that's that's about it for the opening. Yeah. You presume some, something grabbed him because so, uh, he just, just kind of he's disappears. Just, yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Something pulls him down to the sewer. Probably. Probably. <laughs> Maybe he lost his balance. You and don't know. And the symphony ends. gets a standing ovation. That's really fantastic. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, this scene's coming to an end. And then what? Rock and roll. Yeah. What? Oh, fuck. It's just <laughs> out everywhere already. So we're on this train, which is apparently heading to Paris. Yeah. And we are introduced to our hero. His name is Andy, the sensitive douche. <laughs> and his two friends, the insensitive douches. <laughs> Otherwise known as Chain Wallet and Pendleton, because that's about the extent of their personalities. They are riding the Douchebag Express. Douchebag Express straight to Paris. And they are just these bros on a train tallying up sex points and on their daredevil tour of <laughs> Europe. <laughs> <laughs> like what? We hate these people right off the bat. Yeah. And let me tell you, we're just setting a baseline here, man. Like <laughs> we are going to hate these people so much more. This is the most likable these people are. Yeah. Andy gets offered 20 sex points to go and chat up a girl on a train. But Andy, being a sensitive douche, he wants love, not sex. Oh, Andy scared of the pussy. Turns out to not be true. <laughs> that, that Andy is virtue signaling like a motherfucker right there. So they go to Paris uh, to bungee jump off the Eiffel Tower. These uh-huh. Americans in Paris just bungee jumping off a French landmark, right? Uh, no, they're bungee jumping off a soundstage looking over a backdrop <laughs> of Paris. Off of the uh, the soundstage where the room was shot. Like, that's the level <laughs> of green screen effects in this movie. But yeah, they go up there as though they weren't despicable enough already to bungee jump off of the Eiffel Tower. Um, but of course, Andy's the smart one. Well, this is like the biggest laugh for me. He's making these wind speed calculations. Oh, yeah. It's like, remember, he's the sensitive dude. <laughs> but it's like, you know that's just nonsense that so he's driving down. And then he like takes a little piece of tissue and holds it up and drops it. And he's like, okay, the tissue went that way. <laughs> that was the final calculation. So I should, I should land in the Rue Saint-Denis based on where that little scrap of paper went. I'm going to extrapolate how much the paper weighed versus me, a human. What? You fucking Meanwhile, this guy did not tie his bungee rope off. He didn't tie it off even. So he's getting ready to do it. His friends are going to try to talk him out of it. Someone's coming. Oh, shit. Who is it? It's one of the werewolves, right? Right? No, it's Julie Delpy. Yeah. With a single fake glycerin tear 
running down her, her cheek. Every bit of dialogue is 80 yard, like yeah. a million. They're on top of the, the Eiffel Tower. Wind is enough to blow that piece of paper away, but their their voice is just sounds like Crystal they're speaking player. in the room. Yeah. So they hide as she as she comes up. Sensitive douche sees her and immediately is like, "I am in love." She has a letter. She's crying. She climbs up to the edge. Looks like she's about to kill herself. He runs out to try to talk her down. She jumps. He jumps too. He just jumps after her down. She's racing down. He's whooshing down to try and get her. His friends realize, oh, my God, his bungee isn't tied off. Yeah. Let's go and run and grab the bungee. They grab it just in time. He grabs her shoe as she's falling, and she's about to hit the ground and go splat. But he grabs it. The bungee stretches. He yanks the shoe off. She falls harmlessly, harmless to the ground, and he boings back up. Sounds like maybe that could be cool. I cannot emphasize enough. It is not cool. Yeah. It does not look good. It is ugly as fuck. The special <laughs> effects are awful. Everything looks absolutely awful. And the shot, the POV shot of him boinging back up with an ecstatic look on her face, having stolen her shoe. <laughs> he then like boings back and apparently hits his head. Yeah. On like a girder. At several hundred uh, miles per hour several hundred miles this per hour. movie has the physics of a bugs bunny cartoon it really does yeah. daffy duck walking off of cliff and then realizing he hasn't fallen yet so he boings back up he hits his head he wakes up in the hospital he's got her shoe and he's immediately like gotta find her gotta find her so i'm in love this scene where he wakes up in the hospital he's got head bandages all around because remember he <laughs> smacked his head on a girder at 100 miles per hour yeah. his bro dudes are sitting on the thing waking him up yep. like flicking him to wake him up and they go whoa dude don't puke or nothing <laughs> and then insist he has to get some rest the fuck do you wake him yeah. up for I, like wake up and get some rest <laughs> but don't puke or nothing because we're 29 <laughs> so he wants to find her and he decides maybe if we find the note because she had a letter she was carrying some kind of piece of paper suicide note yeah. presumably presumably a suicide note because she went to commit suicide right? sure that's logical <laughs> solid logic they're taking logic from a man who just suffered a major head wound <laughs> so he sends his friends he wants to go but they're like no we'll go this starts a comedy slapstick sequence fuck, man? set to smash mouth this movie right like right away you're just like holy fuck like you know like there's no way this is going to be a worthy successor to an american werewolf in london you yeah. know that because that movie's a classic it's yeah. great and they're not going to go there this is not a worthy successor to like a fucking pile of elephant shit. No, this is like it's so awful. Oh, this I can't. I really can't. There's literally it. a montage of them looking for a suicide note to might as well be walking on the sun. <laughs> they are digging through French trash. <laughs> for some reason, they think this suicide note is going to lead them to her house. Yes. But he. Uh, Andy, the sensitive douche, he actually sees her in the hospital. She's just in the, the random hospital that he's what in. What is the point of that scene? No, I don't know. If you're just going to have her walk through just the hospital. Smash mouth of the movie. <laughs> so he sees her and he calls out for her. She's kind of walking off and she starts walking towards him. She's dressed as a nurse. She's dressed as a nurse. She starts walking towards him. She seems really like happy to see him. And he gets knocked over from behind. Like a doctor comes out and like knocks him right over. He looks up. She's gone. The doctor is like, did you see a woman, a blonde woman? She stole my heart. And because he's an idiot, of course, he's like, oh, I know what you mean. She stole my heart too. It's not like this movie so lazy. Later on when he talks to her and he realizes that she is a werewolf. I mean, spoiler alert, but come on. He's like, whoa, you were stealing hearts and things. Like, wait, you knew that was like a real thing? I mean, before you thought that was like, uh, you thought he was making it symbolic. Uh. It turns out they did find the note anyway. There's literally no point to either one of those scenes no. at the same time. So they found the note, which somehow leads them to her house. Hey, somehow she put her address in her suicide note. She's like, if, if corpse found, return to. <laughs> Scrape me up and put me here. So he brings her her shoe because he is, boy, he's Prince Charming, isn't he? Uh, Prince Charming is now wearing a bandana for some reason. Why was he wearing a bandana? I don't know. Head wound? I bet you. Oh, was that it? They were like, 
he'll cover up his head one with a bandana. No, I bet you it's because they shot this movie at all fucking different times and he his hair was different he at the time. Hair or something, so they, like find ways to put things on your head. Because yeah. on another scene he's wearing like a fedora or something like that. <laughs> yeah, and he wears a ball cap later. Ah, uh, jeez. So she brushes him off. He persists anyway. She says, please go now. Yes. He persists anyway. This is the recurring theme of the film. She says, please do this. And he does the exact opposite thing. Please go away. He goes harder. Oh, go away. Harder. Throws rocks at him. Why not? I mean, like, Chases him with torches. This guy is such some fucking stalker. And the thing is, he's whiny while oh, he does it. Awful. That's the thing. So he basically she shoves him, she she basically brushes him off and says, "Okay, bye." Closes she's, the door. She's obviously got something nefarious got going something on. She's got do. blood on her hands. Yeah. She just stole a heart. He keeps persisting. Please let me in. Let me in. Let me in. She tells him to leave. She actually literally tells Please him, "Please go. There will be trouble." Please go. There will be trouble. He keeps going, he keeps going, he keeps going. He literally begs a date out of her. Yeah. And then when she says, okay, fine, he goes, wow, really? <laughs> Golly. But this date, this date whips. Oh my God. This date is the best date of all time. Yes. So <laughs> The bits in this movie, you, you say the CGI is bad. Oh, the comedy the bits. is so much worse. It's the fucking worst. Like they had no idea why... American Werewolf in London was a successful exactly. horror comedy. Yes. They're just like, oh, comedy. So just raunchy American Pie ass shit. Oh, this is way before American Pie. Actually. It is, but that's the kind of level we're playing it's just on. like, here's just some raunchy shit. So yeah, they have this date together, which it's in a French bistro. So naturally, there's now just a French pop song playing on the soundtrack the entire time. How would you know? <laughs> How would you know they're in a French bistro? Exactly, right? So he's drinking coffee. He does a literal spit take. Yeah. A literal fucking spit take. Because everything he's doing is like a complete lie. He's completely full of shit. Yeah. And she's exposing him very easily because he's a lying, manipulative sack of human garbage, right? So he does a spit take. Then does a drop it in my lap take. Drop the coffee in my lap take. And then she's like, yeah, a lot of guys, they just want to have sex with me. Like, you're not like that, are you? He's like, absolutely not. At which point... Literally dozens of condoms yeah. spill out of his pockets onto the table. He says they're chewing gum. And she's like, fine, I'll try to chew it. He grabs it out of her hand and puts a condom in his mouth and starts chewing it. Are you laughing yet? Are you laughing yet? No. Because right? I'm wetting my pants and laughing by the way, at this. This is Tom Everett Scott, not the king of comedy <laughs> typing here. And this, and just so you don't, if you're not sure that this is supposed to be fucking hilarious, his two little idiot friends are in the back right. of the shot as the Greek chorus, the moronic Greek <laughs> chorus to let us know this is funny. <laughs> yes. uh, so he has the condom in his mouth and he's just chewing on this condom. And she's like, Oh, I still don't believe it. She calls because, his bluff. Because, boy, is she perceptive. This woman's like, a fucking werewolf. So now blow a bubble for me. At which point he does. And boy, oh boy. It happened. The CGI uh, condom floats off into some fucking French bodybuilder's tea oh, in the back. Fuck, yes. So then this guy... Seraphin, which is the name of Julie Delpy, which is like, I think we were halfway in the movie before I even realized that was her name. She picks this guy up who's like three times her size and just throws him, right? And like everyone in a movie where that happens, they're like, oh, a magic thing just happened. I'm not going to acknowledge that at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow, that was cool. You really gave him up for. Like, what the fuck? She races off again. It, what, at this point, he's like, well, obviously, she's just not into me. No. Runs after her. This is how jarring this movie is. She throws this muscly French guy into a into a china cabinet in the middle of his restaurant. Smash cut. She's now pedaling as fast as she can on a bike while he's sprinting behind her. And keeping why, up with her. Why, why won't you date me? Why won't you date me? And then she takes off again, right? Like, she takes off, and then he follows her again, and then she's like, okay, I'm still going to take off. Bye-bye. But she, she now encourages him and says... I'm only doing this because I like you. Yeah. Oh, fuck you. And he uh, he reminds her of her suicide attempt the other night, which yeah. is what suicide attemptees really love. That's, Just yeah. bring that shit up for them. Hold it over me. You have leverage over me now. So, yeah, again, like, at this point, he's realized, all right, I should probably I should cool off a little bit. Yeah. I'm in Paris. See some of the sights. There's other nope. women. Goes to her house. With his buddies. Again, with his friends. At night. <laughs> that night. What were you going to do? What the fuck? This time she's not there, though. And he meets Claude? 
they say his name one time. <laughs> Claude. Claude is just, we're, we're not so sure about Claude at this point, right? But he gives them a flyer to a charity event. Claude just looks like. <sighs> he's creepy for no reason. Yeah, he's European. He's Euro trash, yeah. right? Industrial Euro trash, I guess. You know, I, he, yeah. He's not like uh, fancy pants Euro trash. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I get what you He's not strokes Euro trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the, the he's like the American douches of French Euro trash. <laughs> yes. So Claude gives the group a flyer to a charity event that he's putting on. The full moon party at the Club de la Lune. Hey guys. You gotta be a little more subtle with the naming <laughs> there. Okay. Like this is obviously a trap for werewolves. Like fuck you guys. Call Might as well it, call it the Club de la Human Dinner. Call it the We're Gonna Eat Your Heart Party at the Cafe <laughs> de la Werewolves Who Eat Hearts. That's the only thing more obvious than the current name. So it's this filthy underground hovel. It's oh, a, yeah. It's obviously a setup for werewolves, Club de la Lune, blah, 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 to trap these people and kill them. That's right? the other thing. I've never been to Paris, but if according to this movie, everything in Paris is connected underground. Like all the catacombs connect to other dungeons, connect to everywhere else. And Robert Langdon's down there somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. We don't know what, but he's in a catacomb. So, yeah, it's this filthy underground hovel. But as you said, it's all connected. So, douche friend A, which chain wallet? Chain wallet. Yeah, so chain wallet sneaks off. He finds Seraphine locked in a cell. Back at her house. He goes back to her house. She's locked in a cell underneath her house. Like, what was he going to do? This is the dialogue. She says, what are you doing here? He says, you're asking me? What? What the fuck? Did they write that and go, that works? That's what a human would say to another right. human. That's about right. But yeah, she finds out that they're at this club and she says, you're in great danger. Because she's Scottish. <laughs> uh, you're in great danger, Chain Wallet. You're in great danger in the I'm the French Julie Derby. I'm Harry S. Truman <laughs> from Joplin. Get me a baguette, man. <laughs> so. City of Lights, Gay Paris. So she knocks out Chain Wallet and locks him up. And then, so ooh, tables are turned. So then she runs to the club to save Andy, which she does. And then the wolves give chase. We subscribe so much. We're, I don't even think we're halfway through the movie at this point. Nope. Like, fuck. fuck yeah. Oh, and it's a 94 and minute it's movie. it's not a long movie. Not a long movie. Not a long movie, but there's just so, so goddamn much of it. While the wolves are wolfing out at the Club de la Luna, we go cut back to Chain Wallet, and he's MacGyvering his Chain Wallet to pull a key off a wall, because at every dungeon, you just hang the key on one nail by, right the, by the cage. Make sure the prisoners can see it. He also notices that somewhere, there's a, like a, a medical tent yeah. around something. Like a hospital bed. Something's happening over there, but we know it. It's no good. So the club wolves uh, chase Andy and Seraphin. She's obviously like in great pain because she's starting to transform. All the wolves are, are kind oh, yeah. of starting to transform. It's a There's full a moon. scene where she's like, get out of here. She's clearly like in horrible pain. Like you yeah. look on her face, it's in horrible pain. She is bleeding from the mouth. Andy sees this and says, time to make my move. <laughs> Plants a kiss on her. <laughs> Like, what the fuck is wrong with this piece of shit? <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Not cool. She literally starts throwing rocks. Yes. Yes. Chunks of cement at him to get him to leave. And he's like, what are you doing? I Do you not I, like me? I can't say I just don't understand women. I'm a sensitive dude. <laughs> fuck. So basically the club... Everybody starts to transform. The CGI werewolves are utterly, utterly horrible. Terrible. The transformations are really bad. There's almost nothing that is an, a practical effect. Yeah. Very, very little. The wolves, like, don't even look wolfish. No. They kind of look like monkey dogs. The worst part is towards the end, we'll get to it, when they f start fighting each other. Mm -hmm. There's, There's, like... No tension to the fighting. It's like ultraviolet yeah. when she's riding that motorcycle up the building. There's there's no, like, it doesn't bump or riffle. She doesn't have to move. Yeah, it doesn't feel tactile. It doesn't feel like no. anything that's actually happening. Yeah. Except on a, a computer screen. So but, the club just kind of turns into a slaughterhouse. 
uh, Deuce Friend, as you said, he breaks out, but Deuce Friend B, uh, what was Pendleton. his name? Pendleton. Deuce Friend B gets killed by a werewolf. Yeah. He gets attacked. He's dead, right? Deuce Friend A, he leaves. Deuce Friend B, he uh, meets his untimely demise. Andy, meanwhile, is running below Paris through the catacombs of good lighting. <laughs> These are the catacombs of Paris, and he is never out of lighting. He's chased by another wolf. And he's able to get out. He escapes, but the wolf kind of grabs his foot and looks like it get, maybe gets a bite on him. And we're supposed to think that this is Julie Delpy. Right. Yeah. That's kind of suggested that. So the next morning, uh, Seraphin, that's Julie Delpy, she <laughs> is blending hearts in yep. a blender while a 90s pop song plays. Again, this, the music is just all over the place. So, But apparently she stole my hangover recipe. <laughs> <laughs> Take five human hearts. Blend until chunky. <laughs> so, yeah, he wakes up in her bed. Uh, douche, uh, sensitive douche wakes up in her bed. He's got a wrap on his foot. Uh, his friend, douche friend A, the one who's alive, actually comes to his window and tells him to leave. Somehow knows he's there. Knows he's there. Somehow. Knows exactly what room he's in. The guy who escaped the dungeon underneath this house where there's a legless werewolf <laughs> stuck around outside long go. enough. Just see what's going on in his this crazy place um yeah so his friend is like you're in danger you're gonna die you need to leave right now and of course uh, sensitive douche his response because he's a genius is to say huh and then hit his head <laughs> the bits are so good in this movie fuck so she seraphine comes in she gives him a glass of blood it's like her hangover cure right she climbs into bed and he's feeling weird things. He's feeling sensitive. She talks about your new metabolism. And this leads to maybe the most pointless nude scene of all time in which she climbs on him and says, in order to make you feel comfortable, I'm going to rip off my top real quick, grab my boobs, and now calm down. She takes off her shirt, takes her hands, puts them on her boobs, and says, this will calm you down, no. Do you not? Do you know how 20-year-old men work? That is not calming anybody down, Julie Delpy. So she... Gives him the revelation that he was bit by a werewolf, she's a werewolf, and he's a werewolf. And, of course, his response is to laugh hysterically because, obviously, he was attacked by a gigantic dog <laughs> running at him on its hind legs. <laughs> so, obviously, like, your whole werewolf story is nuts. Pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, what is it? So, he thinks it's a sex game, at which point he wakes up and it's a dream and she comes in again, but then it turns into a nightmare. So call back to the first one yeah. where they kept having those hallucinations that were dreams within a dreams. Right. So she tells him you were hallucinating. At which point her mom, we hear her mom's voice. She comes in. She says, you're making the same mistake again. And we find out, oh my God, wait, her mom's dead. She had mentioned this. Yeah. God, that's a main thing that we just flew right by because fuck this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, her, her mom's dead. And her, I don't remember what she said about her dad, but yeah. Uh, and mom is dead. Yeah. She's a corpse, right? So we got talking corpses. Another callback to, yes. to the original movie. Uh, he sees her corpse and he leaps through a second story glass window and just runs away. There's like nothing <laughs> remotely relatable about anything that's happening here. Like this central, like you go back to London, it's somewhat relatable. Like you empathize with what the characters are actually going through, right? You, like it is a fantastical thing. Yes. But it's grounded in the reality of the character. Yes. And it starts with two men arriving in a sheep truck. I mean, these are lambs to the slaughter mm -hmm. and they're trapped and everything's weird and they're not wanted yeah. and they're outcasts. And one through one horrible night affects this young man's life for the, and it's a, a movie over like a couple days. Yeah, This movie is treating all these fantastical events as if they're nothing. They're, I'm going to bang my head as I come back in the window. Yeah, it's just a bunch of wacky stuff that happens. It's the worst. And all and the, the like you said, the music, there's whiz bang. Then there's like French house tracks. And then it's 90s Bush pop punk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's fucking awful. So, oh, we got so much left to go to. He goes back to Club de Luna and sees his dead friend getting pulled out of the water. And this is where we meet the French cops. Yes, there is a pipe smoking French inspector on the case. And no his assistant worry. Clouseau. Because if you thought the comedy bits with the Americans were good. Yeah. This Clouseau is an unwittingly classic, bad cop. Classic stuff. Claude also, remember the evil vampire, he snatched douche friend A 
off the street. That's right. Yeah, he kidnaps him. Uh, and we find out that all the victims that the cops are finding are all missing their hearts. Um, and despite all of the evidence tying him to the series of murders, uh, he is released and <laughs> just walks off. They they sweat him in the French cop station with a doctor there for some reason. And I love French doctors because they look like the most unhealthiest people <laughs> in the world. They're like overweight, beards, sweating, smoking while they're giving you their... But then, yeah, they're like, your friend was murdered. All these people were murdered. You were there. You came back to the scene. You're free to go. <laughs> yeah. Take off. So he goes to a steakhouse where he orders raw meat. Not- oh, the sensory overload scenes. Yeah. Not sure why you're paying the markup on that. But you know what? You're in Paris. Fuck it. Right? <laughs> Never coming back. So <laughs> you only an experience. You only live once until the werewolf's curse bloodline has been ended. <laughs> so in comes Julie Bowen. Was she also the one on the train? I didn't see her on the train. She wasn't. The no, girl that on wasn't the her on okay, the train. Yeah. No. So she just, she just pops in, right? Um, and she plays this just sort of American nitwit, I guess. Yeah, she's, she's kind of a trollop. Um, I gotta say she had a very cute kind of mid to late nineties thing going though. She was very into it. I was ready to take her to Lollapalooza. I was going to do it. <laughs> I was ready to do it. No, she's got short hair. She's got, uh, at one point he actually drinks champagne out of her black platform shoe with the chunky heel that every girl had in like yeah, yeah, she was, wearing, <laughs> she was wearing a tennis skirt i was for that but uh yeah he sees her uh she's looking real cute so what's his response typical man get down on all fours like a dog crawl up behind her and effectively goose her sniff her skirt sniff her skirt which that, she loves she's way into it well she finds out he's american she's like yeah it's great because that's what american girls in paris love just another more american more Good. Ooh, let me hear your accent. Mm. What is that? Wichita? <laughs> and of course, like, ah, oh, this movie's so dumb. So he has, like, super smell because he's a werewolf, right? <laughs> like, we get that, right? But he sniffs her perfume and is like, oh, you must wear name of perfume. How, like, are wo- wolves just perfume experts? Like, he knows <laughs> the name of the perfumes. Like, did that just Matrix style, like, pop up into his head? Like, I just know all world perfumes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Jesus. I just, at this, the top of my notes is this is the worst. So, this dinner eating scene, which it's very Tom Jonesy over the top. It's very sexually suggestive. The Tom Jones, the 1963. Sure. I, I know what you meant. Not yeah. the singer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I, I mean, maybe he eats dinner this way. His sexual charisma is right on the top. But Jones. in a movie of terrible, uh, out of nowhere comedy, <laughs> uh, quote unquote comedy bits, this scene is the worst. It is. It, really it takes is the cake. Yeah. They're eating dinner together and they're just slopping it all over each other. He is glaring at her boobs. Yes. Like glaring intently. Like just, I'm going to bore a hole through your breast. I've already sniffed your anus. Like I've sniffed the anus. Now I need to memorize like all of the skin on your breast. Yeah. So he's just glaring at her, but boom, who pops out of the table? It's douche friend B. He's back, baby! Douche Fred B! Corpse callback. <laughs> the worst CGI in the world so bad. has Pendleton stepping out of the uh, tr- table. And he tells uh, he tells Andy that he is uh, cursed to walk between worlds. Yeah. Uh, Andy, of course, ignores him because he is the worst person alive. <laughs> like, your friend, your dead friend just popped out was like, hey, help me. He apparently- Help me with this curse. He's he, like, fuck you. He apparently goes, I gotta take a piss, because that's the next scene is he's in the bathroom. Yes. Talking to him, and we get a talking to your dick joke. And again, as though the characters are not loathsome enough, where does he go? Where does he take his date? They go to Jim Morrison's grave <laughs> to fuck. <laughs> They are just fucking on top of this man's grave. There's Mr. His Mojo Razzin. right beneath him, <laughs> and they are fornicating. You know where I want to fuck? Around a bunch of rotting corpses. <laughs> yes. So they've got the candles going. They've got the whole fucking thing. They're screwing on Jim Morrison's grave. Of course, they're listening to like a 90s punk song. Yeah. And um, Clouseau, the, one of the cops, is following them the whole time. Yeah. But this guy, when he, I mean- it's the worst. He's he's sitting at a table next to them, looking at a, at a newspaper that keeps falling down. I mean, really, they tried to put Inspector Clouseau bits in here. They really did. And this guy, he gets stupider with every scene, too. So they're fucking. He's about to climax. He literally becomes red hot because he's starting to transform. He runs off and jumps in a fountain, which is like... Tss, and like we- he's... 
a hot iron or something like <laughs> when that. When she starts yelling after him, I was like, hey, it happens to the best of us, pal, okay? <laughs> Just go back, admit that you can go wait 20 minutes and go again. And, of course, she's like, okay, so that guy who was transforming into another creature on top of me and who, like, all of a sudden his body heat turned to, like, molten lava? Yeah. Boy, do I meet some real characters. Like she's just like what she actually calls them a head case. Her monologue is amazing. Uh, she's want she's just been penetrated by this guy. While he was inside her, he starts changing to werewolf, runs and jumps into a fountain. She walks off going, Why can't I just find someone to sleep in the wet spot every now and again? Why can't I just find a nice guy? It's like you kind of got those backwards. Start with the first, uh, start with the second one. He doesn't even say he noticed my hair. Right? Like, Amy has got some issues. You're not troubled by anything that's <laughs> happening there. But yeah, she's wandering around. But then the uh, werewolf now transform leaps out of the fountain and starts chasing her. She takes her perfume to throw him off the scent because his sensitive nose will just smell the perfume or something like that. I guess. She actually successfully gets him away from her. Until... Until who shows up but dumbass French policeman who's like, hey, I'm here, scares her off. She runs out and he's like, no, 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 I'm a policeman, I'm a policeman. She's like, okay, cool. And then he stands there and watches as the werewolf watches uh, as kills the werewolf. her. With the, his gun out. His gun out. The werewolf then approaches him and is like, oh my God, there's a policeman. I mean, we have a lot of gun issues here in our country, Corgi, <laughs> but my God, does this fucking idiot. He misses three times at point blank rage and falls over. And then is killed. <laughs> the werewolf, he actually like misses as the werewolf charges at him. And then before taking another whoa, shot, whoa, whoa, whoa. falls down, drops his gun and gets eaten. And none, there's no like werewolf mythology in this. There's no silver bullet. I mean, werewolves die just with stuff hitting them. Yeah. But then they're also are like invincible at times too. It, yeah. This movie just doesn't even play by its own rules. So Andy wakes up on the scene mm. naked. Surrounded by corpses. Remember, the policeman's dead. The woman's dead. Uh, and there's also a dead dog. So the cops take him into the station. And obviously, they're going to throw him in probably like a Hannibal Lecter get up. I mean, this guy obviously is killed and maybe raped he, like he, a whole yeah. bunch of things. And yeah. like, I mean, we don't even know. Uh, no. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> they they take him to view the corpses. <laughs> to look at the dead people <laughs> that were found next to him. murderer is taken in to like view the corpses. Like, hey, good job, buddy. Did you see all uh, the people you murdered? He's there giving his clothes back. Did you notice that? It's <laughs> like the evidence. He's giving his clothes back. <laughs> He's giving his clothes back. Oh, and then they get distracted and leave and the room. And leave him alone. <laughs> Just leave the fucking room. At which point, Julie Bowen's corpse now comes to life and she starts haranguing him. And then a douche friend B comes back and they start bickering. And not just them. There's another corpse oh, that and comes then out. Somebody pops out and says, I'm trying to rest in pieces. <laughs> corpse puns. Oh. I mean, he had that all dialed up too. Like you're freshly dead. <laughs> yeah, got no on. other issues. Don't act like that's improper. He's like, I've been hanging on to that one. <laughs> that was, I've been waiting to die for a while now. <laughs> They they need to leave. So remember, he's arrested for several murders and suspected of a lot more murders. I mean, yeah. basically serial killer. That's right. He's here. the only link to all these murders. But they leave him alone in the room, at which point he's like, gets into one of the freezers, gets into one of the corpse freezers, closes it. The cops run in and go, oh, where'd he go? Next shot, he's just outside. <laughs> like even like how did like did he get outside? The cuffs ran in, saw he wasn't there, so then they Was all the went freezer home. <laughs> also tied to a catacomb. <laughs> in Paris, everything's tied to catacombs. But like even okay, so even if like they walk in and go, oh shit, he left. Like let's not check the freezers because sure. there's no other place he could go. We were standing right outside. But the let's go door. miles away where we, like, we won't notice leave. anybody. He's still in the middle of a goddamn police station. <laughs> and he's like the most, he's a murderer in the middle of Paris. Like, I think people are going to recognize him. But now he's just walking around on the street now, just bickering, bickering with the corpses. The two corpses are just uh, bickering. It's, it's a good time. Uh, so he finds out the only way to break the werewolf curse is to kill your maker. But he's like, oh, but it's Julie Don't Not just that, her. but kill her and eat her heart. Kill her out. and eat her heart. So he's reluctant to do that. Wants to find another way. But the club wolves, you forget about the club wolves? They just snatch Andy off the street. They knew where he was. They're constantly snatching people off the street. <laughs> this is like the fifth person they've snatched off the street. They take him to their lair, which is an abandoned church. And their mission is to purify the world. 
and their victims are the scum of society. And they order Andy to eat douche friend B's heart. Because remember, they kidnapped douche friend Jane B. Jane Wallet is uh, on a cross like Christ. Earlier. Yeah, exactly. He runs off. They chase him. Seraphine comes in and rescues him. Somehow she has a. She knew where he was. She it, knew where he she was. She had a gas can. She had a gas can. She she arrived <laughs> via catacomb. She takes the gas can, leaves a very thin trail of gas following her as they're pursuing, thinking like, okay, this will stop them. She stops. She lights it. It immediately turns into an inferno that yeah. is covering all of the walls and the ceiling. <laughs> this is like gasoline. <laughs> that does not burn like that. <laughs> but yeah, it's just this inferno. Like it's just a CGI fireball that is like enveloping the entire hallway, but no one dies either. No. So they go back to her, uh, they go back to Seraphin's place and we get a little bit of explaining. We find out that the one who was in the bed, the hospital bed, who attacked Dushrin A, is her father, the one without legs. She turned into a werewolf because of this Claude guy, and she killed her mom, and she maimed her dad, right? And this is her, her big thing. This is her guilt. This is why she wanted to kill herself and all this other stuff. So hearing this news, they start getting hot and heavy. Yeah, it's time. There is nothing like patricide to get my motor running. I hear my girl kills her mom, keeps her barely dead, a live dad chained up downstairs and pumps him full of drugs. <laughs> it's two tickets to pound town. Let's go. Let's go, baby. So <laughs> yeah, they start getting zone. into it, but the club wolves interrupt again. They're and he, he looks up the, the club wolves pull up in a shitty European car. He looks out the window <laughs> and he goes, Oh brother, just who I need. Uh, so there's just more, another chaotic. That's all, I mean, he's been kidnapped and almost murdered and they've, they've got his friend. And it's almost like, Oh bother. Oh boy. <laughs> So he runs, they chase him. There's this frenetic pop punk song. Julie Bones' corpse is trying to like cause a distraction in the street. She's like blowing blood out of her face and causing her eyes to pop out. But I don't, no one could see her. So I'm not sure exactly. She, no, what she's trying to signal to the uh, Euro trash guys that he's hiding. Oh, okay. And when the first time she tries to whistle, like blood spurts out, she holds that in and then her eyeball pops out. This is. Five minutes of good bits, brutal, Dan. Brutally bad stuff. Uh, this creates a series of about a dozen car crashes, which uh, everyone to, just walks right away from. Trying to tie back to the first one. Sure, absolutely. Uh, but he escapes. He leaps onto a bus and escapes. But where does he go? <laughs> goes back to the dungeon where he just ran out of. Goes back to the same place. So now we go to another werewolf party, another one of the, the another werewolf trap. This one's being held in a church. The cops come in to grab Adam. No, Andy. Andy. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I call him Andy, and sometimes I call him Adam. But. Sometimes I call him Adam because I think he's the first man. <laughs> he's definitely the worst man. <laughs> he's the he's the reason of the fall of mankind. <laughs> So anyway, the cops get trapped in along with Adam. There's this guy who stands outside. We haven't even mentioned this guy. This oh, guy, that, the, yeah. the sort of bouncer, quasi-bouncer, stands outside the door and then will back like a, a, a bulldozer or something up to the door yeah. so no one can escape. Um, was he a werewolf or was he like a human, like a Renfield? That's just it, right? Like he never transforms at all. No. He's he doesn't just like, eat anybody. Hey, I'm just doing a job here. Just a working man in Paris, all right? You know how hard it is for Parisians to get these jobs these days? It's a good gig. It's a good werewolf gig. So, yeah, the wolves now can inject themselves with this serum, which looks a little bit like sperm. uh, And they inject it, and they can transform at will. So they don't need to wait for a full moon anymore. So they all have these robes on. They all inject themselves. The cops are, like, trying to come in and then... They were arresting Andy, and now they're going to try to arrest these crazy guys who are transforming. Um, At this party that's supposed to be for Americans because they like eating Americans for some reason. And how do you know they're Americans? Because they're all wearing shirts that say, I love New York, (laughs) like all Americans do. Absolutely. Especially especially when you're in Paris. Yes. You want to wear your I love New York shirt. So Seraphin comes in and just busts up the party with silver bullets, I guess, because they seem to have... Previously, bullets had no effect on the werewolves, and now it does. Yeah, it's... I don't know, but whatever. They just bust all this shit up. The werewolves are now harmed by bullets. That's all you need to know. Uh, And they they take off. They chase them. 
they actually kill the one who ate douche friend A's heart. Yeah. And his corpse ascends to the afterlife. I didn't see that part. Really, it, that it happened? Does. It is like, he kind of like CGI disintegrates. It kind of floats up. And then he's like in a, a very uh, ADR line. It's like, bye guys. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm gonna... like the weasel. From, yeah. Uh... Oh yeah. From Roger Rabbit. <laughs> I'm going to go try to score sex points in par- in heaven. <laughs> so now there's just some like cat and mouse chase, cat, wolf and mouse chases through hallways and various caves and cops underground things. Cops are shooting willy-nilly. Under, cops under- are shooting everything, but they're getting eaten by all the werewolves. Yeah. Julie Delpy, Seraphin, she gets trapped. She, a werewolf is about to get her, but she sees the serum. So she injects herself with the serum to transform into a much stronger werewolf this starts a werewolf fight that as you alluded to earlier looks like garbage it's it's just awful it's i guess one of them dies an affront to the senses <laughs> truly truly is these two blobs move around and then one blob doesn't move well, anymore. they're fighting and then sensitive douche runs in with a gun and he shoots both of them <laughs> he shoots both uh and he realizes that oh my god one of them i shot was julie delpy because yeah. she starts the other one's just one of the club wolves but the other one is uh, Julie Delphi, and he's like, oh, my God, I, I killed her. Like, like it's not bad enough I pursued her. Now I've literally killed her. Like, I am the model of an abusive uh, abusive boyfriend. She's laying there, like, bleeding. Now she's Julie Delphi again, and she's yeah. saying, I'm not long. Stab me yeah. and eat my heart out. She asks him to kill her, offers a heart, says, I love you. Yeah. Says, I love you to this monster. Naturally, he ignores her wishes and runs away. This, that's the kind of man he is. As he runs away, his back is turned. There's an ADR line. I got to get Claude. He's the last one. Because the produ- the maker of this movie was like, fuck, we forgot what's he doing. Why, why is he Why is he doing that? Why would he do that? So he just kind of derps around a little yep. bit and then falls down this incline right onto the train tracks. Like right onto the tracks. Like, dunk. Uh, and he just sits there as the train is about to approach him. But then the wolf. There's a woman on the train who spills her bag of oranges. Yeah. And you know the, the director's just like, this is just like the Godfather. Yeah, right. This yes. woman is not long for this world, hence the oranges. So the wolf follows him down the incline. Uh, Douche jumps out of the way. Wolf gets hit by the train. and um, But then he he's a werewolf and now... Couldn't survive bullets earlier, but can survive a train crash now. Sure. So he just rips through the train and just starts like ah, tearing through the train and ripping it. again. It's, I guess, sort of a callback to like the movie is like a, the uh, the pandemonium at Piccadilly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so that uh, in uh, London. But my god, it just looks so bad. There's it's no garbage. stakes. Everything looks fake, and you don't care about it. You yeah. Just do not care. So yeah, he's tearing through the train. Um, but then transforms back into Claude because I guess the, the, ser- the sperm serum, serum has rules. Now? There's rules yes. to the serum. We have not learned these rules in this movie overloaded with information, but yes, there are rules to the serum and he just transforms back into Claude. Julie Delby, meanwhile, is heading off to a hospital. Oh in yeah. An she's ambulance. getting saved. Yeah. She's getting saved. So Claude, uh, is about to grab the syringe, reject him with so semen. Claude, Claude is the bad wolf now. Yes. I mean, they're, they're all, they've all murdered and eaten innocent people, yes. but he's the bad one he's for some reason. He's the bad reason. guy. He wakes up naked, bloody on a train, <laughs> and then starts to shoot up, and I'm like, I've been there, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, hey. Call your sponsor. <laughs> this is, call this your is a low point. Yeah, Real the, mid-20s. <laughs> so, yeah, he's about to shoot up again. Uh, and transform back into a werewolf, but Andy attacks him in time and, and knocks his syringe away. Andy, what is Adam? <laughs> What's the fuck who is he? Adam, he realizes that Claude, <laughs> not Julie Delpy, is the one who turned him into a werewolf. So now it is uh, narratively expedient to just do away with Claude, right? Uh, he Andy accidentally gets injected with yeah. the syringe. Like even when he finds out that's the one who turned you, eat his heart out, and you're, we've broken the curse for everybody. Yeah. He still has to accidentally turn into a wolf. Yeah, he needs to like fall on it, dum dum style. So he falls on it. He starts to turn into a werewolf. So uh, it also is like sometimes the werewolves seem to have some kind of like cognizance of like who they're killing and what they're doing, yeah. and then other times none whatsoever. Nothing, right? Like Julie Delpy stops from murdering a douchebag from sensitive douche. She stops herself from murdering him. 
while she's a werewolf. Did not do that with her parents. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Couldn't hold back there. But this scumbag who has been pursuing her for the last 36 yeah, her hours. her parents are just her parents. They weren't creepy stalkers who showed up on her door and wouldn't take no for an answer. <laughs> so anyway, Andy gets uh, the syringe. He goes fucking crazy. He kills Claude. He eats his heart. This I guess. We don't see any of it. Both him and Julie Delpy, they're both fine. Everything now is fine. Of course- Sensitive douche did murder a lot of innocent people, yeah. including a-, a police officer. Amy Finch. And an animal. So he's going to prison? Nope. Scott Free, several full moons later. That's the card. <laughs> We're just going to forget about all the murders? <laughs> all right. Sounds good. They're in wedding clothes. Wedding clothes. So they're going to go into a church, right? And get married just like normal, That's regular normal people. people do. No, they're going to bungee jump off the Statue of Liberty, bro. Gen X forever. <laughs> but he drops the ring. It rolls over the side of the Statue of Liberty and they both leap after it. Call back to the Eiffel Tower bit. Call back to the unmemorable scene from the oh, beginning of the movie. Yeah. Not anything you want called back to. But they leap. The friend realizes, oh my God, one of the Benjis is not tied. One of them is about to fall to their death, but they are hugging and embrace, and so they're fine. And they're just bunged off of the Statue of Liberty, and that is the end of the movie. That is the end of the movie. (laughs) And by the way, Julie Bowen... Doomed to walk between worlds for eternity? Oh, yeah, I don't he's know st- because he's still alive. He's still alive. <laughs> they never went back to that. The last time we saw her was doing the traffic thing. Yes. Uh, her, he has cursed her to walk between worlds for eternity. Julie Delpy totally over her mom having to walk the <laughs> earth for eternity as She's well. She's fine with that. That's fine. I've I'm been a man. With, I'm going to live with it. We're just going to live with all the corpses that we have around us. Oh, <sighs> my God. What a bad movie. Quirky. Yes. Mid-90s rock and roll, alternative, Mm. and punk pop. You're an enormous fan. So let me read you the end credits, the artists on the soundtrack. Bush. Yep. The Refreshments. Gotcha. Better Than Ezra. Okay. Smash Mouth. Soak. Fastball. (laughs) Fat. Suicide Machines. And Red Cross. And finally, over the opening, over the closing credits... Sacramento's own cake performs a cover of Barry White's Never Gonna Give You Up. (laughs) (laughs) To put it succinctly, it is not one of the band's finer moments. (laughs) Corky. That is the film that is called An American Werewolf in Paris. Final thoughts on this movie until we drive a stake through its heart, which won't have an effect or will. Or or will it? Could. Bullets may or may not pierce its skin. It's not clear. We never want to judge these movies by their predecessors. Right. But this movie- It's uh, not a, it, I mean, it doesn't hold to any movie. No. Like, forget about holding up to one of the greatest horror comedies of all time. Yeah, Forget yeah. about holding up to a movie that was like a, a huge hit in its time, loved by critics, has stayed fresh over the years. Forget about that. This doesn't hold up to goddamn- uh, Vampire Academy. This for God's movie sake. was given everything to it. Like all you have to do is just tie in American in a European it country. Would have been so simple Tormented. to make this watchable. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and it fails. I, we couldn't. I honestly, we could not do it justice. How abjectly terrible this thing, oh, and really? how much it fails on every scope. And how? I mean, I think we got a little bit of the how exhausting the narrative, but how exhausting the visual choices the soundtrack choices the special effect choices like all of the artistic choices in this movie are are baffling mm-hmm. and they're really really upsetting Literally, and exhausting nobody is good in this movie no there's not a good performance in this movie no no there's there not, really isn't there's I not mean, a good and choice again julie delphi is a wonderful actress yeah, she's julie been bowen great. Is, is a very uh, likable entertaining performer in the in the original Tom you just, scott is a oh, pile of fucking shit his line deliveries on a uh, what oh, are you doing? Did you know, God. like, do you know English? I would have preferred Dustin Diamond in this role. <laughs> this is like tailor-made for Dustin Diamond. In the first movie, you just had to put up with David Naughton. You I know, know, right? He's like, okay, like, he's we'll terrible. The Griffin Dunn scene Everybody's eventually. lifting this thing up around <laughs> yeah, him. everyone else is like, Jenny Ager, yeah, you're great. 
So let's wrap it up and give our ratings just to remind everybody. A dare is for a run-of-the-mill bad film. Double dare for a truly atrocious movie. Reverse dare for a movie we actually liked. Quirky rating for an American werewolf in gay Paris. Well, I want you to imagine Supergrass is playing really loud behind what I'm saying right now. <laughs> and we're going double dare yeah. all over this Gen X just piece of crap. On it. Yeah. Double dare all the way. Way mm. as we were saying before we started recording, like okay, it's a a sequel to an American Werewolf in London that happened sixteen years later and has nothing to do with anything, and John Landis isn't involved, and no one's involved, right? So it's like you figure that's going to be bad, yeah. You fit like you you prepare yourself. There's you figure like here's a level of bad, and I'm prepared for this to be that bad. I was not prepared. No, I was not prepared for this movie at all. Double dare all the. Fucking way! I mean, this hits. This gets into the anti pantheon. Yeah, of all it's time, there. hateful movies, along with Ultraviolet and along with Gotti and Christmas with Story Two. Oh, it's dude. it's up there. Ooh, ooh, it's down there. So that's all we have for you on this episode of Scare Daniel. But we'll be back in one week to review the last movie in our October. I'm sorry, in our Corktober 2019 <laughs> theme of Scare Daniel. I wonder Daniel what movies. happened to Corktober. It's always Corktober in it's my always heart. Corktober. Yeah, sure. Yeah. In your heart. In my heart. In your heart. Absolutely. Keep Corktober in your heart. Always. <laughs> so until the end of Corktober, which will be never. Never. Send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com and be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on the Apple Podcast, the iTunes, wherever you listen to the podcast. Doesn't matter. You can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Corky. Yeah. Where can people find more of your dirty work? You can find me in any catacomb or, or dungeon <laughs> because they're all linked. Every You go down, go you to take one, two lefts, gone to them all. find some skulls, take a right, <laughs> go through an open sewer gate. Great, because they're all open in Paris. <laughs> all right. I'll be at the Sacramento Comedy Spot Friday, Saturday nights. Come down, take classes, uh, have fun. Do it. I command you. For Dear Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. Our producer is Johnny Flores. He is a sensitive douche. <laughs>